0: Great city in the Bible. so much, men, for your ministry to us in song today. The hymn writer wrote many years ago these words. Frail children of dust and feeble is frail. In thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Those words might be familiar to you this morning. In fact, we sang them just a little bit ago for our opening hymn. But we don't often think about the fact that we are dust. Dirt. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Genesis 3, 19 says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. Psalm 104, verse 29 says, You hide your face. They are troubled. You take away their breath. They die and return to dust. Now, in all honesty, turning back into dust is not a pleasant thought, is it? I understand the idea of us coming from dust and returning to dust was impressed upon a little boy in Sunday school one day. And that evening, as he was having his prayer time with his mother, they were there kneeling by the bed. And she was praying, and in all honesty, he was not paying attention while she was praying. Well, she completes her prayer, and he's there, and she kind of nudges him and and tells him it's time for him to pray. He really wasn't paying attention. And this is what he prayed that night. Lord, all I can say is I just looked under the bed, and there's somebody either coming or going there. Moses knew that we are dust. In fact, he spoke about it in probably one of the oldest pieces of scripture that we have next to the book of Job, Psalm 90. I'd ask you to turn to Psalm 90 this morning. And as you probably already figured out, as you've obtained a bulletin and and got one of those guides in the pew, that we're beginning a new series called Summer and the Psalms. And Some have already asked me, did we take this picture? Basically, we take some of the artwork pictures, but no, we did not take this one. Sad to say, we would have loved to have taken that one, but we did not. But I also have given you a guide. If you'd like to read through the Psalms this summer, and I've broken the book of Psalms up for you beginning today. And if you begin reading today through the end of August, you can go through the entire book of Psalms. And then on the back we put some interesting things and some information about the book of Psalms. And we put that in a nice piece of cardstock for you to stick that in your Bible and to work your way through the book of Psalms if you'd like this summer, as we'll be spending summer in the Psalms. Psalms 90. I hope you found it by now. I want to read it, and then we'll come back and unpack it and see uh, what the Lord has for us today. Psalm 90. Uh, we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Lord. You've been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever. You had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep in the morning. They're like grass which grows up in the morning. It flourishes and grows up in the evening. It is cut down and withers for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O oh Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Father, it is with a grateful heart we bow again. We ask your Holy Spirit to be our teacher now. To have his willing way in our lives. Work for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Father's Day. And dads, did you notice the title for this particular psalm? Your your Bible probably had this title uh, above Psalm 90. Where it says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now here we have Moses. And he's about to speak, he's about to offer a prayer to God. Now, we want to be men of God, I trust. As they just sang, faithful men have gone before us. And we want to be faithful men. And I think one of the ways we can do that is to be very attentive to what Moses, the man of God, is writing here. What he's praying to the Lord in Psalm 90. Now, I want you to notice verse 12. In verse 12, he makes a request to the Lord. He says in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, to number our days means to weigh them out, to consider them. Now, we often think in the light of years, we number our years and we say, well, how old are you? Well, I'm 35 or I'm 45 or I'm 55 years old. But Moses is praying here that God would teach him to number his days. Years, of course, are made up of days. We can't live all of 2012 all at once. We have to live it how? One day at a time. But but the question is, what is the purpose? Why is he asking God to help him and teach him to number his days? Well, it's very plain. He says there that he may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, if it's one thing we all need, men and women... Young people, we all need a heart of wisdom. But the question is, how do we get a heart of wisdom? Well, if we're going to get a heart of wisdom, there's a couple of things we have to come to grips with. And we find them here in this chapter, in this psalm, Psalm 90. First of all, we must know who God is. We must know who God is. Now, Moses, in his prayer here in Psalm 90, he begins his prayer with God. And when it comes to life, we must always begin with God. And in the first part, we find him recounting the greatness of God. God is great and God is awesome. Notice he mentions here the fact that God is the creator. Look at verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. He's the creator. He's the one that created the mountains. He's the one that formed the earth and the world. He is creator. Also, verse 2 tells us he is eternal. Verse 2 says, before the mountains were brought forth, before the earth and world was formed, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's hard for us to fathom. We can't get an idea of a time or, or, or before creation. But ever before there was a world or mountains or the creation or you and I, we have God. You are God from everlasting to everlasting. Nobody created God, God eternal, God everlasting. We notice that God is sovereign. He's in control of our lives. Verse three says, you turn man, man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. He's in control of everything. He's in control of our lives. We notice that God is above time. If you look at verse four, it talks about the fact that a thousand years in your sight, God's sight, It's like a watch in the night. It's like yesterday when it's passed. Imagine that. A thousand years is just like yesterday. It's like a watch in the night. A watch in the night was about four hours. That's what a thousand years is like in God's sight. He's above time. He's not bound by time. He's not worried in looking at His watch like you and I do. We notice likewise that God is holy and just. It speaks about His anger and His wrath. Which, of course, lends itself to think about His holiness and His justice. Look at verse 7. We've been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We are terrified. Verse 8. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your countenance. Look at verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. We must begin with God. We must know who God is. And we could summarize it all by saying this. God is great. God is great. We're going to have a heart of wisdom. We have to know that God is great. But we also have to come to grips with this. And that is this. We must know who we are. We must know who we are. We begin with God. Then we look at ourselves. By the way, we don't look at ourselves and then compare God. No, we begin with God and we look at ourselves. And Moses does that here. And here's where all the talk of dust comes in. We are but Dust. Dust we're forming, dust we shall return. Now, in our King James Version, our New King James Version, of using that today, it's not as clear. If you're using a Holman Christian Standard Bible, if you're using the NIV, it's even more clear. But I want you to notice there, verse 3. In our, in our New King James, it says, You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. See that word destruction? That word destruction is literally dust. Listen to the Holman Christian, Psalm 90, verse 3. You return mankind to the dust, saying, return, descendants of Adam. The NIV is even stronger. The NIV, NIV says it this way. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. That's pretty strong. We're turned back to dust. God is great. He's eternal. He's sovereign. He's holy. He's just. He's above time. He's the creator. We understand some of who God is. Now, what about us? Who are we? We're dust. We're frail. We're weak. Look how frail we are. Look there at verse 4 again. For a thousand years in your sight, or like yesterday when it's passed, like a watch in the night. That's what God sees it as. And what about us? No man, nobody's ever lived a thousand years. The closest one who lived to a thousand years was named Methuselah. He lived 969 years, the Bible tells us. Can you imagine being 969 years old? I hope they gave him a senior discount. That's all I have to say. (laughs) We, we can't even fathom a thousand years. Nations and kingdoms rise and fall within that time frame. Imagine the changes over a thousand years. But the Bible says, "Listen to God." That's like yesterday. To God, that's like a four hours. It's like a watch of the night. But to us, a thousand years—we we, we, we may not even make it to a hundred years. We're frail. Look at verse five says, God, you carry them away like a flood. Get the picture in your mind of a raging river and people clinging to debris. And that flood does what? It carries them away. It sweeps them away. That's, that's kind of like we are. Look at what it says again there in verse 5. They are like asleep. Like taking a nap. Having a sleep. That, that's like us. We're that frail. Our lives. Kind of like, that's how much time. Look, look at what else it says. Verse 5. It says, in the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows. And in the evening it is cut down and withers. It says you're like grass. You probably heard somebody said about grass. You know how grass goes, right? Grass is sown, grown, blown, and mown. It's, it's gone. You sow it, it grows, it blows around the wind, and then you mow, it's gone. So that's what your life is like. Life is short. Look at what it says there in verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. Now, we think about averages, we think about statistics, and I went back and I began to look at, at America and our lifespan, and I found it very interesting. Not surprisingly, this is still very accurate 70 or 80 years. God's word is right again. Of course it is. We know that there are exceptions. Uh, There are those who live a little bit older. There are those who die much younger. But 70 or 80 years, even if you live 90 or 100 years, look at that in the light of eternity. Life is short. We're frail. We're weak. We're dusty, if you will. But, but, But that's compounded by something else, and that's this. Not only are we frail and weak and dusty, we're also sinners. Look at verse 7. For we've been consumed by your anger, by your wrath. We're terrified. Verse 8. You You've set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. We don't hide anything from God. Verse 9. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Now think about who wrote Psalm 90. Think about whose prayer this is. This is Moses, the man of God. Now think about Moses' life for a moment. Moses spent 40 years on a long funeral march, waiting for a whole generation of people to die. You ever think about that? You remember back when they sent the spies into the promised land and you had 12 spies and 10 brought back an evil report saying, we can't go up, we can't take it. And yet Joshua and Caleb says, we can, we can go forward in God's name. And the people murmured and complained and cried out and refused to follow in obedience. And God said, enough. Everybody 20 years old and above, except for Joshua and Caleb, they're going to die. They're not going in. Those after you will. We even know Moses didn't go in because he disobeyed the Lord. He was able to look into the promised land, but not go into it. Numbers 20, 30 to 13. So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel. He made them wander in the wilderness 40 years ago. All the generation that had been evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Moses knew all about death. Moses knew all about sin. Moses probably saw over a million people die in that time. Can you imagine the number of funerals as they literally walked around, marched around, camp for a while? Wilderness wanderings for 40 years, waiting for people to die. Moses knew about death. Moses knew about sin. He understood just how frail, how dusty, how weak man is. And at the same time, he knew just how great God is. Knowing all that, Moses in this prayer, he cries out in verse 12, So, God you're great, we're weak, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts, we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now when we know who God is, God is great. And we know who we are, we're frail. We quickly see we need a heart of wisdom. We need a heart of wisdom. Now, as I thought about that, I thought, well, what does a heart of wisdom look like? How do we know if we have a heart of wisdom? Uh, how does it play itself out in our lives? Just to say, well, I think they're a wise person. Well, what does it look like? The following material is from Paul Powell, but I could not help but share it with you. He said to live wisely means we should live. Listen, we should live every day to the fullest. We should learn to know God better every passing day. And we should give ourselves to a meaningful and worthwhile work. Now, I'm going to unpack that for you one by one, because I think he's right on from this passage. Let's unpack what he's saying. A heart of wisdom is going to cause us to live every day. To the fullest. Look at verses 14 and 15. He just prayed. So teach us a number of days. And again, a heart of wisdom. Look at verse 14. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy. Praise God for his mercy. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Verse 15. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us. Live every day to the fullest. I like what he said. He said, the reason many people find it hard to be happy. You know anybody like that? They just cannot be happy. He says it's because they see the past as better than it was, the present as worse than it is, and the future as finer than it will be. And therefore, they fail to make the most of their days. That's worth saying again. Would you hear it again? The reason people fail to be happy, they see the past better than it was. Oh, the good old days. They see it better than it was. They see the present worse than it is. And they see the future finer than it will be or could be. Therefore, they fail to live today. Now, beloved, we only have a few days here to live. We better make the most of them. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't get this day back. You don't get to save it up. Once today is gone, it's gone. We dare not waste it. We dare not waste it. You know what? You'll never be the same age again. We're numbering our days, aren't we? So teach us number our days. Tomorrow, I'm a day older. If I get tomorrow, I'm a day older and I'll never be this age again. Your children will never be the same age again. You'll never have this same exact time again. You'll never be in this worship service again. I think about those where God the Holy Spirit works in their lives and, and is, is seeking to, to mold them and change that they resist. Friend, you'll never be here exactly as you are this very moment again. We have this second. We have this minute as God grants it to us. We're not promised tomorrow. Boast not the supper tomorrow. We had better live every day to the fullest for the honor and glory of God. Secondly, if we're going to have a heart of wisdom, we should learn to know God better every passing day. Look at what it says in verses 16 in the first part of verse 17. Here's what Moses prays. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Did you notice he talks about when it comes to God, God's work, God's glory, and God's beauty. He says, Lord, let your work, your glory, your beauty be upon us. In other words, I want to know you better every day. I want to grow in my fellowship with you. Are you learning and growing closer to the Lord every day? Now, first of all, to know God better every day, you first have to know him. Do you know him? Have you recognized you're a sinner, you're lost, you're undone, you cannot save yourself? The wages of sin is death, but Jesus came and died for you and shed his blood for you and rose for you and lives for you and welcomes you if you'll place your faith in him. Have you repented of your sin and placed your faith in him and him alone? Do you know him today? Is he your savior? If not, today is the day of salvation. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Today is the day. Don't put it off. Today is the day. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised another minute. Call upon him while he's near. Cry out to him. Confess him and he will save you. But then for those of you who already know him, let me ask you this. Are you knowing Him better every day? Let me ask you something real simple. You have to answer out loud in your own heart. How do you get to know somebody better? You spend time with them, don't you? You spend time with them. We want to get to know each other better. We've got to spend time together. We've got to talk. You've got to talk. I've got to talk. How does that happen in the Christian life? We get time alone with the Lord and we allow Him to talk to us through His Word, His Holy Spirit. And we talk to Him through prayer. We get to know him better every day. That's a heart of wisdom. But there's a third thing. Not only should we live every day to the fullest, not only should we learn to know God better every day, but Powell said finally we should give ourselves to meaningful and worthwhile work. By the way, did you know some people be surprised to know that we were created to work? Some people never realize that, do they? They think, Oh, I'm just here. Take care of me. Feed me. me. No, no. God says, I want you to work. By the way, work was given before the fall of man, before the sin, before the curse. He placed them into the garden to tend to keep it. Now, after the fall, after the sin, work got harder. Sweat of your brow. But work is a gift, not a curse. Look at verse 17, the last part. Here's what Moses prays. And establish the work of, watch this, our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So he just talked about God's work, right? Let your work, verse 16, appear to your servants, your glory, your beauty. Then he says, establish our work and establish our work, he says. Now, we may not live here forever. In fact, we won't. We all have a destiny. If the Lord doesn't come first and rapture us to be with him, we're all going to return to dust. We're all going to die. But we certainly... Want what we do to outlive us, don't we? In other words, we want to live a, leave a godly legacy. Couldn't help but think about as they were singing and thinking about this today. Faithful men, faithful women have gone before us. Not only those in Bible times we think about, but you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you can think about many women who touched your life who helped mold you and change you and shape you and make you into the person you are today. They may still be living. They may have gone on to glory. But you think about the legacy that they left for you. We want to do the same thing, don't we? Dad, we want to leave a godly legacy for our children and our grandchildren. We want to invest in that which matters. We want our work to matter and be established by God, no matter what our occupation whether we're a janitor, a plumber, a carpenter, an electrician, a preacher, a farmer, it doesn't matter. Whatever occupation is to be done for the glory of God. And we want our work established. And so we see again why we need to be taught to number our days. We need a heart of wisdom. But here's the big problem many times. We know we need a heart of wisdom. We know that we would live our days to the fullest and we would get to know God better every day and and we would do meaningful and worthwhile work that brings glory to God and outlives us. But here's the issue many of us deal with. Many of us never stop long enough to allow God to teach us to number our days. We don't stop long enough to be taught that. We let the pace of life or better yet, the, the race of life to hurry us past any time for reflection, evaluation, recalculation. We, we don't have time to stop and say, what am I really doing? Why am I doing this? Should I even be doing this? No, we've got to hurry up. We've we we got to hurry. We've got things to do, place to go, people to see. The pace of life, the race of life. We run breathlessly through life. And before we know it, time has passed. Time is gone. We die and return to dust. The poet Virginia Brazier wrote, this is the age of the half red page and the mad dash with the nerves tight. The plane hop with the brief stop. The lamp tan in a short span. The big shot in a good spot. And the brain strain and the heart pain. And the nap naps till the spring snaps. And the fun's done. Pretty accurate, isn't it? You know what? That first appeared in the Saturday Evening Post in 1949. It's much worse today, isn't it? The pace of life, the race of life. I've got to be plugged in, tuned on, online, Wi-Fi, everything. No time for God to speak to my heart. No time for God to teach me anything. I've got to race through life to dust. But oh, we know though the body may return to dust, we spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. What will you do with all this today? I mean, you've heard, you've read Psalm 90 with me. We've talked about Moses' prayer. We've talked about what is being taught here. What do you do with it? Well, some will say, you know, that was, that was interesting. Moses was a pretty wise guy. I, I wouldn't have been in his shoes, wandered around in the wilderness, watching people die all the time. He was one wise fellow. Or will you intentionally stop? Will you get off the hamster wheel... Will you turn off the cell phone, the iPod, the phone? Will you close the door? Will you get your Bible out and say, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom? Can I encourage you to do that? Uh, Let me challenge you to take three things with you to that, that prayer closet. Take God's word. Take your calendar and take your checkbook. Well, I understand God's Word, preacher, but what about? Well, listen, those last two, if you look at that, it shows you how you spend your time and your resources. You can look at your life in the light of God's Word and say, Lord, here's how I'm spending my time. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing with the resources given to me. Now, Lord, teach me to number. My days, I want a heart of wisdom. Will you do this? Will you do it before it's too late? You say, I'm calling this, beloved, dusty wisdom. This is dusty wisdom. We're but dust. We're going to return to dust. We've got a short time. We need a heart of wisdom. We are but dust. But we can have a heart of wisdom. Do you have it? Do you have a heart of wisdom? Will you seek it? Will you seek God's will and way for your life? So teach us to number our days. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow and thank you for this day. It is of your grace and mercy that we're here. We're alive. We're breathing. Our brain is functioning. Our heart is pumping. You've given us this day for your glory to be lived for your glory. Father, teach us to number our days. We need a heart of wisdom. We need to know how to spend our days. And our relationships with our family. Our friends. Our relationships with work. Our relationship with you. Father, I pray if anybody here today has never met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray in the next two minutes, they'll step out and allow somebody to take a Bible and share the gospel with them. And lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray for other believers. Lord. Already know you. But maybe today. Your Holy Spirit has spoken to their heart. They need to get off the hamster wheel. And out of the rat race. And step aside. And cry out to you. And look at their life. And look at what they're doing. And look at what's happening. And allow you to teach them. To correct them. To guide them. That they may have a heart of wisdom. And live their days for your honor and your glory. I pray you'll bless this invitation now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open today. Our closing hymn is 607. Something for thee. I'll be down front if you'd like to come and talk with someone about salvation. I'd love to be able to put you with somebody who take a Bible. You want to come and just pray. Maybe God, the Holy Spirit, spoke to your heart today. Maybe you come and just pause and say, Lord, here I am. Teach me, teach me. We invite you to come. As we stand and sing 607, something for thee. 607, let's stand and sing.